Good morning, family. To our Antioch family, to friends and visitors. In fact, everybody's family is watching today. We're grateful that you've tuned in for another worship experience. We pray that you were blessed this far. I believe with all my heart there's a word that's going to meet you right where you are. So make sure you grab your Bibles, grab something to write with, something to write on, something to type on as You'll be using this for the days ahead. We're entering today into a series I've been thinking about for some time. Gotten through Holy Week. I pray you were blessed by that. Now we're getting ready to go into a series. We're going to take a deep dive for the next several weeks on a topic I'll share with you in a minute. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful. We're thankful for your goodness, your kindness, your tender mercy. Thank you for loving us spite of us. Now we ask you give us in-depth insight into your word, in-depth insight into your ways that we'll know how to proceed. Take us from where we are to where you've called us to be and we'll give you glory, honor, and praise. Restore to us the dreams that you've deposited. I pray that against all odds, your divine purpose through us will manifest in this world. Your kingdom come, your will be done here now as it is in heaven on earth. We give you glory for it, honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to meet me, if you will, in Genesis, the 37th chapter. Genesis 37. And it reads, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flock with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. But Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? What, you're better than us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon, the 11 stars, were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I, your brothers, actually come and bow down from the ground to you? His brothers were jealous of him, but the father, a little bit more mature, <laughs> He kept this thing in mind. Now, his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. 
Very well, Joseph replied. So he said to them, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flock. And I want you to report back to me what's going out on out there in the field. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the field and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they're grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man said. I heard them say, let's go down to Dotham. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him at a distance, and before he reached them, they plotted with one another to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dream. If I had to put a title on this message, or this series for that matter, I would entitle it Dream Assassin. For some of you, when you hear the term dream, you may have to go dig up what you've buried or put to death. For others, you're not that far removed from your dream, but you may need to knock the dust off of it. Yet, for many, you have to go through the annals of your life, look at or look for where you've shelved your dream. There's some listening at this moment who are frustrated at the thought of dream. You've moved from a sense of the prophetic possibilities into full pragmatism. You can't even see beyond what you can personally make possible. Dream, dreams. They're significant, and while they are significant, and while I believe all of us have at some point celebrated a God-given dream, what I've found is that over time, whether it is sabotaging self-talk that eventually dismisses the dream or circumstantial things in our life uh, make it look impossible. Quite honestly, other times there are individuals who antagonize the dream out of us. I, while many of us have found ourselves there, I want to restore in this series your sense of the possibility. Before I go any further, I want to talk a little bit about what I'm referring to when I say the word dream is consistent, compatible with what we find in this biblical text. When I speak of a dream, it is not simply ambition. It is not looking on Facebook or Instagram and seeing someone else's life and desiring to aspire to their level of success or desiring what they have or an expression as put on display by that individual. When I speak of a dream, it is where God gives you a sense of your destiny 
in seed form before it happens. Let me say that again for those of you listening. Dream, in this case, is where God gives you a sense of your destiny in seed form before it ever happens. I, I love dreams. When God gives me a sense of the possibilities, when God opens up my insight or my spiritual imagination and takes me from where I am to where I could be and often the destination he wants to deliver me to. He doesn't, like Joseph, give you clarity concerning all of the details. It is not always specific, but a dream sometimes is, 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 is general. You see your stature or status changing. A dream can be general in that he saw that there was a distinction in between himself and his brothers, his life, and even his parents' life. It was a bit ambiguous. It was abstract, but it inspired his sense of greatness. Here's how I know. There's a dream on the inside of you, and I'm helping to dust the cobwebs off of it. If you have ever had a sense of greatness that was incompatible with your present circumstance, it was probably, again, God in seed form, giving you a sense of the possibilities, giving you a sense of your destiny before it ever comes to pass. Dreams are inspiring. Dreams wake us up. Dreams give us something to look forward to. Dreams should prompt motivation. But what's interesting about God in dreams is that God gives you a sense of the possibilities, and often he will highlight the highlight, but doesn't often reveal the challenges. He gave Joseph a sense of where he would ultimately be without giving him a feel for the process it would take to get him to the palace. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we'll get there in weeks to come. God gives the dream. He gives the inspiration. He gives the ultimate destination, often without the process. But, but that's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here to give you a sense of the process. What God told him is that you will be great. You would rule. There will be a distinction on you, not only in your family, but ultimately in the broader culture. You will be distinct. And Joseph was feeling good about himself after he heard what God had spoken to him. I mean, he was, he was feeling so good. He didn't see how his father and brothers were, and mother were positioned in the dream and in immaturity. He went and shared everything with them, expecting them to celebrate. Now, I don't know about you, and I know we've spiritualized this, but, but Joseph comes to his father and brothers and paints this picture of the dream he had. He said, listen, I'm going to rise up, and basically y'all going to bow down to me. That, that was naivety. It was, it was immaturity, and we'll get there in weeks to come, but it was a God-induced 
dream nonetheless. However, after he gave that dream, he went from being pushed to the side, the Bible says, to being hated all the more. While God gives you the dream, he does not always make you privy to the process. If you knew the process, you may say, never mind, as it relates to the dream. And the dream in seed form is meant not to discourage you, but the dream is meant to inspire you. It's meant to prompt you. It's meant to cause your thinking to expand beyond your circumstance. Because sometimes God has a witness, someone who will faithfully see the greatness on your life, not be intimidated and tell you what they see. But God understands sometimes in our immediate circles, sometimes in our uh, social circles, sometimes in our own families, there's intimidation because of what God has spoken to us. And when God cannot get a witness in humanity, he will speak divinely. He will give you divine dreams and revelations. He will give you a sense of greatness that is beyond your life's station to cause you to be motivated to get up another day, and to go after your prophetic destiny. God will give you a dream to inspire you, but he'll give you a pastor to tell you what to look out for along the way. There's a lesson here in the life of Joseph about the assassin that come not only to kill your dreams, to dash your expectations, but to cause you to reason like them. There is this gravitational pull on dreamers to not think bigger than where they are, to not try to go further than where they should be, to, to stay here with us. God sent me on divine assignment to ensure that you know what to watch out for. You know how to duck the haters. And not only to duck the haters, to duck those who are seeking to assassinate your dream. They don't want to kill you. They don't mind you living. They don't mind you existing as long as you're not thinking beyond where they are. Yeah, they're okay with you being alive and drawing breath on a daily basis. What they're trying to kill is your dream. Because the moment your dream is dead, the moment you start talking big, stop talking big, the moment that you begin to become more reasonable in their sight, then everyone is comfortable and things are copacetic. So they don't want you dead. They want your dream dead. That's why I call them dreams. Assassins. I want to talk to the dreamers today. If you're satisfied with where everything is, if you don't see more as it relates to the possibilities, if you don't desire to live out, to be poured out as a drink offering or to live out your full existence, to, to flesh out in this natural and adorning world all the things that God has made possible. And this message, listen, is not for you. 
I came for dreamers, folks who are still entertaining the possibilities, people who say, I, I believe for more, even though I can't see how I'm going to get there. Those who are still holding on, or even if you have to go back and recover some of the things that God spoke to you, your sense of greatness. I, I want to talk to you today because more than anything, dream assassins, <laughs> whether it is spiritual and the enemy, which many of this is rooted, much of this is rooted in, or whether it's folks that just don't like to see you shine, or whether it again is sabotaging self-talk, I want to make sure that you get beyond that and begin to dream again, because I believe with all my heart that God wants to make a reality the things you've been entertaining in your heart. Not all of the the pursuits that aren't consistent with his will, not simple ambition, but I'm talking about the revelation in seed form that was meant to give you a taste of the not yet, a taste of your destiny. God always gives us a taste of what we have not walked into yet. Before the children of Israel walked into the promised land, there were spies before they ever got into the promised land that walked into the land, took some of the fruit from the land, brought it back to them to give them a taste, to cause them to see the possibilities, to see that the fruit over there is not the same kind of fruit we have over here. The taste of this over there is not the same. It doesn't taste the same there as it does here. God, to prompt us forward, will always reach into our future and bring back some of the choice morsels from our future into our now to prompt us forward until we get there. Yeah. But always, before there are steps forward, as there is progress made, there will always be dream assassins. I'm going to get back to Joseph, but in that example where the children of Israel received in their hands fruit from the promised land brought back by the spies before they could even celebrate, someone said, wait a minute, but there are giants over there. They begin to speak of all of the challenges, and before it was said or done, they said, never mind, y'all keep it. We don't want to fight any giants. We don't want to fight any enemies. We don't want to go through any trials. Listen, keep the dream, keep the destiny, even though we're tasting the fruit, we're observing the fruit of our tomorrow, we're going to stay locked into our current circumstance. Because we've heard a report, someone raised up their voice in the crowd. I, I know you call him a brother, I know you call him a friend, but no, in this case, you've got to be dogmatic about your pursuit of what God has for you. Yes, you need to be able to discern even from a good person when it is something that will set you back or keep you from where God's called you to be. No, he's not a brother at this moment. He's not a fellow Israelite. He is a dream assassin. He didn't even know he did it, but when he opened up his mouth and began to speak, Bible says we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. They began to literally shrink. They didn't even see a giant, but they heard the words of one doubter. He said, we don't want to go any further. 
I believe with all my heart. In fact, on my watch, if you're walking with me as a pastor and if you have made this place your church home or wherever you're listening, if this is a place where you're receiving a frequency, I, I feel responsible to not allow you to die there, but to tell you about everything that comes to rob you of your God-inspired dream. Yeah, dream assassin will come to take you out. And here we find in this passage, brothers of Joseph, notice they said, here comes the dreamer. Let's feed him to the animals. Let's kill him. And, and let's see then what becomes of his dream, which shows that the motivating factor, what pushed them over the top, what caused them to want to take Joseph's life is he began to speak about things that were beyond them. He began to dream and conceptualize realities that they could not understand. They, it made them uncomfortable, and they said, we've got to put this to an end. Because some people will violate their principles and conscience to give themselves comfort again. Every time Joseph was around, it made them uncomfortable because they were settled where they wanted to be. And as Joseph began to speak of the possibilities, they sought to pull him down. And when they saw that their response to his first dream didn't stop him, it didn't take away the motivation, <laughs> he had another dream. They said, wait a minute, if we keep frowning our faces up at him and playing him to the left and clicking without him as part of the group, he's going to keep dreaming. Only way to deal with this is to kill him. Here's what they said. Let's see what becomes of this dream when Joseph is dead. Can I tell you, God always gives you in seed form glimpses and snapshots of what will ultimately be. And my goal is to get you to walk in that reality. I'm trying to get to my real message, but I feel like declaring to someone, you've morphed yourself long enough, you have dimmed your light long enough, you have shaded your shine long enough, now it is time to go after it. It is time to recognize dream assassins for who they are and to file them appropriately. We'll deal with this in weeks to come. It does not mean you hate them. It does not mean that you're not going to get up with them anymore. But as for me in my house, in this season in our life, I've got to file you in the proper category. I'm trying to build up enough faith to believe the dream God gave me and to step out by faith myself. I don't need people who dash my dreams as I'm tasting of the fruit. I don't need people who constantly remind me of how big the giants are or who downplay what God has given me to make themselves comfortable. Now it's time for the dreamer to emerge again. If you're a dreamer, I want you to type in the chat, I still have a dream. I, I still have a dream. I still have my dream. In fact, I don't want to mix, mix it up with Dr. King. Type in the chat, I still have my dream. God always gives you in seed form glimpses 
and snapshots of what will ultimately be. As you look at your children, cry not like Israel in this case who was intimidated by his own son's dream. And when you look at your children, begin to ask God for pro prophetic or divine snapshots. There are unique personality traits. There are gifts, if you look close enough, that emerge in the lives of your children. And when you begin to see those things fan the flame, when you begin to see those things Get them surrounded by people that can help to develop that gift and accelerate their destiny. God will always put in seed form a snapshot of what will ultimately be. Learn to look for that in the people that you work with, the people that you lead. Because sometimes they've lost the dream. They're in environments that are so toxic that they can't even dream. Learn to speak to that dream in them. Remind them of who they are because God always gives in seed form glimpses and snapshots of what will ultimately be. You can spot it. The hip-hop poet, Brother Jay-Z, says of the way he carries himself and the people that had a problem with it. He said, don't be mad because I walk like a ball player. Come into this world, you are who you all play. I I'm with him. He said, there's a confidence that, that, I, that I was born with. You all may be mad at it. You may be frustrated with it, but there's a confidence I was born with, and I'm not going to dim my light. Listen, I'm going to walk like a ball player. He wasn't saying he was athletic. He was just saying, walk into the place like you own it. He said, that's the kind of swag I was born with. Yeah, you, you've got to know who you are because often in this life you're surrounded by people and circumstances will cause you to forget who you are. They will cause you or cause your dream to be diminished. Some are on assignment. If you're thinking too much of yourself and they think that you are, they're looking for you. Have you in their crosshairs like an assassin? What they're after is not you. They want to take your aspiration down. They want to take your dream down. They don't want you thinking as lofty as you've been thinking, but if you had time to talk to them, and I don't suggest that you do it, but if you had time to talk with them, they would find out that this was not something that you conjured up. This was not something that you went after simply because you wanted more money or you wanted more status. No, it's because God put a sense of the possibility in you. Your get down like Joseph, is different. I, I'm sorry, I, I can't help that. Some of what they were mad about had nothing to do with Joseph. Joseph's father, because of the favor that was on his life, favored him in a unique way. Joseph didn't do anything to bring that on himself. He was kind of born into that favor. That upset his brothers. It upset equilibrium. But besides that, you, he, was just, he was just different. I talk to the folks who are dreamers. Be unapologetic about it. You're just 
different. This, for Antioch, is the year of distinction. You are distinct. No one does it quite like you do it in your lane. You are distinct. Just go ahead and own it. Go ahead and say to the person sitting next to you, I'm, I'm distinct. You have to hear yourself say it. You are distinct. Notice Joseph's distinction. He was critical of what everyone else was cool with. He would often report back to his father the performance of his brothers on the field. He, he would be there with them as their sheep were grazing, as their livestock were grazing. Joseph would be there observing everything. Isn't it interesting how God naturally puts him in a position on a small scale? Where he'll be ultimately on a larger stage? Again, notice that Joseph in seed form is doing what he will ultimately do as a ruler in Pharaoh's house. He is evaluating. He is watching the work ethic <laughs> of his brothers. His father, in fact, sends him. I need you to go check on them and make sure everything is going well. Even in his household, he is governing the affairs of the household. There are some of you, listen, in seed form, you've been using the gift God's given you. You govern the affairs of your household. You are the most responsible as a child. And that was not because they just wanted to give you something to do. That was because they saw something in you. You came through when others couldn't come through. You could make sense of what confused everyone else. And so because of that, notice Joseph had that in seed form. You had that on a smaller scale. Never minimize the stage that you're on now, whether you're overseeing the affairs of your household, whether you're, you're coordinating your broader family or not the CEO of your company, but wherever your post, whether it is middle management or whether it's entry level, there's still a sense of your destiny. You can't help it whether you're cleaning toilets or whether you're in the, a C-suite executive. There is something distinct about you. The characteristics of leadership are distinct. The, the sense of management is distinct. Your ability to scrutinize details is distinct. Joseph is in the Field, but he has an eye of distinction. He has a royal eye. He has a ruler's eye. And he's just simply watching his brothers take care of the affairs of the field. He's different. He's critical of what everyone else, again, was cool with. He would go back and tell his fathers, hey, these guys are slacking. If it was me out there, here's what I would do. But they're not listening to me, Dad. They, they don't respect me. You know I'm the outsider. And maybe the reason I'm outsider is because I come back and tell you everything. I, I, <laughs> Joseph was a little snitch early on, but, but, you know, he works it out later. It was his discriminating eye. It was his distinction that began to emerge even as he was out there in the field with his brothers. You get the sense even as he's in a field. Hey, man, you don't belong here. Your place is higher. Your destiny is greater. Your trajectory should be tilted 
upward as he's there in the field with his brothers. He has the mindset and the scrutinizing eye of a ruler, of a governor. There had been one brother who could have celebrated that, who could have seen that and been secure enough to encourage him. Who knows what would have taken place when you're a dreamer, when your station, the station that you're confined to is, is too small for the grace on your life. It upsets equilibrium. It it creates tumult, not because you don't have good ideas, not because you don't have a great concept, but you are too big for that small place. I want to talk to some dreamers. Here's how you know you're a dreamer. Because while you've been faithful with whatever has been entrusted to your care, there is this internal sense that I was made for more. I was made to see more than I've seen. I was made to do more than I've done. You have conversations with people that have 20 times your net worth, and you feel more comfortable there than you do where you are. Don't put your head down and be ashamed about it. Don't get around people who tell you you're thinking too lofty. Remember that God's put some things in your heart to make your ultimate reality more compatible than your present reality. But often that happens internally before anyone is able to see it externally. But I've come to tell you, not only this week, but in weeks to come, yeah, you weren't, you weren't made to be confined where you are. Yeah, you weren't made to be confined where you are. You are a ruler. You are a governor. You are a leader. You are the head and not the tail. But if you stay in an environment of tails too long, if you stay in a dreamer's graveyard for too long, you begin to forget who you are. I say this to all those who are meant and will ultimately be rulers but are out in the field right now. You're in good company because for a while, before he was ever king, David was in a field. Before Moses was ever a deliverer in the wilderness, Moses was in a field. And here before her, Joseph ever ruled in Egypt. Joseph was in a field. Can I say this to you real quick? Never judge your magnitude, greatness, or aptitude by your present station. Yeah, God has more to prepare you. He has to take you through a process, but listen to me. God has more. 
and I don't care what's come your way, treat that as refining, not as discouragement. It was sent your way not to kill you, but to refine you for where you are going. But listen to me, I need you to hang in there until we get to the end of this series. But until then, I want to remind you again that you were made for more. Never judge your magnitude by your present station. Yeah. Your speech for a while will always be beyond your circumstance. And people who are not discerning will ask, why does he act like that? Why does she speak like that? And we're in the same situation. We're all brothers. We're all sons of Jacob. Joseph, you're no different than us. There's nothing special about you. While his speech was beyond his circumstance, his brothers constantly sought to bring him down because they wanted to remind him that there's nothing special about you. Can I speak to someone who's been dreaming about better, been dreaming about more? Life will constantly, again, pull you down. Circumstances come to assassinate the dream, to make you think that this is beyond you. It's too much. Individuals will come to confirm what you're already insecure about. I'm telling you, God, doesn't have that for you. If he had that for you, he'd also have it for me. We're the same. We're all the same brothers. We have the same father. And right now, we're in the same field. People who are not discerning will always ask you, who do you think you are? You're walking like you have a billion dollars in the bank. And I saw your check stuff. You're talking about things that people with twice your education are not talking about. Dream assassins. Listen to their words. They say, as they see Joseph coming up from a distance, they say, here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. hate in their voice. Here comes the dreamer who's really a God-given dream. All that Joseph said, declared, would become a reality in his life. But no one could see it because they were judging his station in circumstance and not his potential. Listen, folks, there is so much more I want to share with you, but I got into this studio and this message went over an hour. I'm not going to keep you here. I don't want to keep you in suspense, but I want you to really absorb, digest what you're hearing. And I don't want you to miss the conclusion of this message next week. Bring someone with you. I promise you it is going to bless you. Also, if you don't 
have a church family, church home, and you want to make Antioch your family, listen, you're already halfway there just so that we can ensure that we can connect with you and let you know about upcoming events, connection points, and live services. We want you to click on that link if you would like to make Antioch your church family, your church home. Click on that link. I believe it's yellow or orange, depending on where you're watching us. And fill out the card, the information there. We're not going to harass you, but we're going to follow up with you and make sure we get you connected to the family. Secondly, if you have never made Christ the Lord, the Savior of your life, and you want to make that decision today, you want to know more about what it means to experience the life change we ourselves have experienced. It came to the person of Jesus Christ. The greatest decision I've ever made. If you want to know more, I want you to click that link as well. We have people standing by. Not only share this faith with you, to share our relationship with Christ with you, what he did to secure not only our salvation, but our life and our abundant life. Then finally, if you need prayer, have a prayer request, make sure you click on that link, fill out the information, send us those prayer requests as we have people praying seven days a week for everything you may be facing, everything that you go through. If, you, if we prayed for you, please let us know that, that uh, God is moving on your behalf. So until next week, God, we thank you for being the love in every believing heart, the peace in every believing mind, the breath in every believing spirit, the life in every believing soul, and we save in the saving grace of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the sweet communion of his precious Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide now, henceforth, and forever. As we're becoming more like Christ, and our environments are becoming more like him, as we continue to dream, the real matter that we live, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I bless you. Go in peace.